Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44, in the New Testament section of our Red Bibles in the Pew on page 26. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read, and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus said, About that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in, the, as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. So good morning, everybody. So recently, I found myself in a situation that not even I ever imagined I'd be in. Not too long ago, a buddy of mine asked me to travel with him to a place in the Middle East and work a convention with him. It was the first convention of its kind in this place, sci-fi, fantasy, superheroes, and board games. And we were going to be in charge of the board games, teaching, playing, that sort of thing. So I took a week of vacation and went and flew to the other side of the world. It was an incredible couple of days. I was told that over 70,000 people had come through the doors. Now, the convention ran from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to midnight for three days straight. And by the end of it, my team and I were exhausted. On the last night, when the convention was over, we were tearing everything down, putting the games away, getting ready to pack up the ship stuff back to the States, when a guy came by and told us to stop. The prince was coming, and the prince was coming soon. 
We needed to set everything back up for the prince to come by and check it out to see what we were doing, to receive the royal nod of approval. We needed to look busy, for the prince was surely to arrive soon. And so we did. At 12.30 a.m., we unpacked every game, set up every table, had everything exquisitely laid out. And then we waited. And waited. And just to be sure, waited some more. At this point, it was 2 a.m., and I was muttering to myself that I was an American, that we fought a war back in 1776 so that we wouldn't have to wait around for princes anymore. <laughs> but then the shout went out, okay, folks, time to tear down. The prince has left the building. What? We didn't see no prince. Well, the reply came back, oh, really? Well, he was here. You just must have missed him. Tough luck. It was a bit of a disappointment. All that waiting and for what? Just to be more tired and grumpy because of a prince that didn't even show. But it reminded me of something from my childhood. When I was a kid, I wanted to be the kind of guy that had a bumper sticker car. Do you guys know what a bumper sticker car is? It's not just a car with a bumper sticker or two. No, a bumper sticker is a car with lots and lots of bumper stickers. It seemed like a perfect way to express to the world around me who I was and what I was all about through bumper stickers. And I remember once standing in the parking lot of a blockbuster video. You remember those? I was just awkwardly standing there, gazing lovingly at the back of this 89 Honda Civic, covered top to bottom with bumper stickers. I must have looked really weird staring at that car for over 20 minutes. And the truth of the matter is, I don't remember any of them. I don't remember what any of them said, except one that I've never quite stopped thinking about. Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> when I was reading our passage for this Sunday, Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44, I kept on thinking about the prince who never showed up and that bumper sticker, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. I had hoped that on the first Sunday after Thanksgiving, I would get to share with you all a, a lighter message, perhaps part of the Christmas story, as it is told year in and year out, of shepherds and angels, of Bethlehem and no room at the inn, or of the baby laid lovingly in a manger by his mother. Nope. We just all heard the passage read a few moments ago. It's not about that at all. It's about the end of the world and the promised coming judgment. What our passage is all about is right there in verse 37, if you want to check it out in your Bibles. The coming of the Son of Man. So on the first Sunday of the season of Advent, we are called to remember not only the first 
advent of our Lord, but the second. Old Karl Barth once observed that Christians live between the times, between the advents of Jesus Christ. The church season of Advent invites us to consider the character of Christian existence between the times. In Advent, we both look backwards and forwards, and the same could be said of our life as Christians. We are always walking forward with our head turning back. On the one hand, Advent reminds us of God's promises to us of Emmanuel, God with us. God comes to us in human flesh to deliver God's people from sin and evil. This is the Christmas story, yes, but it is also the Easter story. On the other hand, Advent calls us to anticipate the day on which Emmanuel will return as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will put all that resists him, even death itself, under his feet. Living between the advents, between the times, we give thanks to God for the Christ child, even as we plead with God to realize once and for all the kingdom that Jesus declared to be at hand. Matthew 24, 36 through 44, stands in a series of sayings and parables about a day of judgment that will inaugurate this kingdom to come. Jesus warns that judgment day is coming and that this day will take the world by surprise. As in Noah's time, people will be going about their everyday business, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, with no awareness of God's impending doom. They will be like a householder, who fails to anticipate the hour at which the thief will break in. The prophet Amos could say to an ancient Israel, eagerly anticipating the coming day of the Lord, Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. Amos 5, 18-20 Our world can be so incredibly dark. Nobody telling the truth can say otherwise. Shakespeare wrote into the mouth of Macbeth, Life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. You take a look around, and if you're feeling down, it can seem like that all life is nasty, brutish, and short. We live in a world of performative slaughter, where people live stream on the internet their killing. We live in an age of climate catastrophe, of political dysfunction, when the murder of the weakest of us is considered normal and even a moral good. Despair is all around us. For the third year straight, life expectancy in the United States has dropped due to suicide which comes as no surprise as we are seeing, seeing a near 25% jump in the suicide rate across the United States since 1999. We are a people in dire need of hope, for we are walking in deep darkness. 
We are a people in dire need of redemption, and thus a people in dire need of judgment, where things will be set right. That's what we look to on the first Sunday of Advent, the coming day of our Lord, when he shall come to judge the living and the dead. He is our hope on that day and every day. Novelist Flannery O'Connor once observed that the mercy of the Lord is fierce and it burns. Jesus explains all this as such. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's Matthew 24, verse 30. When we think of the coming of the kingdom of God, when we think of the last judgment, remember this. The Christ who judges us is also the Christ who endured judgment for our sake on the cross. That God's judgment never contradicts or overrides God's grace. And that the readiness to which Jesus calls us is shaped not by fear of the future, but rather by gratitude for life in the kingdom that Christ already offers us. No fear. Gratitude. So when will this day be? I don't know. Who knows? Not even Jesus knows. It says it there, it says it there right there in Scripture, verse 36. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Yet somehow people have made vast fortunes telling the rest of us when Jesus is coming back. As one commentator I read for this sermon put it, it is remarkable how many interpreters seem to believe that they can accomplish what the Son confesses he cannot do. So please, don't worry that you don't know the day of his coming. It's an honest-to-God relief to know that Jesus does not expect us to know everything. But although we are not expected to know everything, we are expected to do something. That's what it means to keep awake. Notice in our passage how Jesus keeps saying to his disciples, keep awake, keep awake. You don't know when I'm coming, but stay awake until I do. It seems that Jesus' great fear for us is that we will fall asleep. The faith that Jesus wants us to have is not one that knows everything, 
but one that knows it is called to do something here and now in the hope of his coming. That's what it means to stay awake. As we wait, remember, Jesus is coming, so get to work. And what is this work to which we are called? Let's look at Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And then the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did to one of the least of these. You did unto me. Keep awake. The day is coming when Christ shall judge the living and the dead. Ask yourself, are you not only talking the talk, but are you also walking the walk? Where have you fallen asleep? Where do you struggle to keep awake? Ponder this question in your hearts and remember the coming of our Lord as you approach the communion table in just a few moments where we proclaim the mystery of Advent, the mystery of faith. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ will come again. So in the season of Advent, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. God is in his heaven, and all shall be right in the world. To live between the times is above all to trust and hope that God has begun and will continue to transform us more and more into the likeness of Christ. Christ in whom all of God's mercy and loving kindness becomes manifest. Our lives have meaning because the one who was in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth, has already cast ahead all that is to come. Advent calls us into relationship with Jesus that knows no end. For those of us who live between the times, Jesus will meet us whichever way we turn. I'm reminded of a great hymn that I have recently discovered that we actually sang in church just a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus will meet us whichever way we turn. It's a hymn called All Glory Be to Christ, and it goes to the hymn of Auld Lang Syne. We, we, we sang it here, you might remember. And so I want to I close with these words. When on the day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain, is making all things new.
Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light, and we shall ere his people be. All glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign shall ever sing. All glory be to Christ. For it was, for as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen and amen. Thank you.